Hey there and welcome to the show. My name is Andrew East and for those of you who are new here, this is an interview series where we sit down with celebrities, entrepreneurs, elite level athletes, or really anyone who started off their life path or career on one trajectory and then got redirected into a completely different path for one reason or another. I just want to stop and again thank you guys for letting me take an hour up of your time. Uh, I've really enjoyed the interaction that I've gotten to have with all of you who have submitted questions. Based off of the feedback from one of you all, I wanted to start doing a segment called Weekly Redirects. And this was the idea of Taylor Hudson, who wanted to hear a little bit more about my story and what I'm going through, the current events in my life. And so this week's Weekly Redirect is that uh, Sean and I had been planning a trip to Machu Picchu, and um, we were very, very, very excited about it. Um, but we just made the decision that we're going to not go on the trip, which is completely fine. Um, I am a little bummed. I'm an opportunist. I love travel. I love adventure and I love doing it with Sean. Um, but we just felt like we were a little overwhelmed. We had been traveling a lot and, uh, hadn't really had that opportunity to stop, pause, and just appreciate everything that's going on in our life, um, without trying to force something amazing to happen. So that was my weekly redirect. Uh, we'll likely be making a full YouTube video on that, um, on Sean's channel. So be on the lookout for that. But, um, I also wanted to talk about a fan of the week and this week it is Lauren Hart, who was one of the dozens of girls who wanted to know if our guest, Justin Fountain, was a single man or if he was dating or open to dating. Um, but Lauren has been asking some amazing questions. So thank you, Lauren, for uh, participating in those. And um, just to give you a little background on this interview, uh, Justin Fountain is a dear friend of mine, and I'm super thankful to have him in my life. Uh, but I thought it'd be awesome to have him on the show based off feedback I got from last week's episode with Sam Basher. Um, where Sam was talking about how he went to one year of college and then he dropped out. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of non-traditional ways to go about life and find quote unquote success, whatever your definition of that is. And so Justin was, uh, one of the first people I thought of when I saw that feedback of somebody who has achieved non-traditional success. And, uh, I think you guys will really like his story it's amazing. He has some awesome stories to tell. He has a great perspective on life and does a very, very good job at communicating it. So um, I'm going to let you guys go ahead and dive in, listen to this, and enjoy this episode with Justin Fountain. Justin, welcome to the show. Thank you. I feel like I should start off by sharing one commonality that you and I both share that is not shared by a lot of people. And that's the fact. A lot of people are going to be shocked by this. Both you and I had dreadlocks. Wait, you had dreads? Don't say that. You don't have to downplay my dreads just because you had yours for <laughs> way longer Wait than I did. Wait a second. Oh, yeah, like for like three days or something? No, it was a month. I had dreadlocks for a month. I, drew, I grew my hair out, shoulder length, and then I was like, this is the one time in my life, sophomore year of, high school, or of college, I'm going to be able to have dreads. You had yours for a little bit longer, I think. That's hilarious. I totally forgot about that. How long did you have yours? Uh, it was about three and a half years. Wow. Give or take. I'm not going to lie. I don't miss them. Um, I don't miss them. You don't miss mine or yours? Either. Is that okay to say? <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's cool. 
I'm really excited to have you in the show. This is a little bit of a different show than what people have heard. Um, and I thought that having you on would provide a lot of value just because of your general perspective and approach to life. And you also have a story that I think a lot of people can relate to in um, your decision to drop out of school. But before we get to all of this, I would love for you to kind of give background. I love to always set the stage with the guests sharing their background of how they got to kind of where they are today. So where'd you grow up? What's your family situation like? Mm -hmm. I think that plays a role. So I'll let you take the stage. Yeah. So I grew up in Carmel, Indiana and, uh, two great parents, two older brothers and kind of traditional Midwest life. Yeah. I kind of left that behind when I went off to college in Colorado and that was kind of the first step for me of kind of going out of the norm of, what my family was used to and what our friends were used to, like people just doing in general, as far as life choices, it was just a little different. So I went to college um, at the University of Northern Colorado, good old Greeley, Colorado, for two years, and then dropped out, not because of grades, but by choice, and uh, went and just put my hand to the plow, more or less. I just wanted to get my hands dirty, wanted to get out and take on life. I was never very good at school and never liked school very much. And uh, so it was like, almost like getting out of jail for me. It was awesome. So I went and became a guide, guided some rafts, some mountain biking, some climbing, um, some hiking. And then I worked at a ranch um, and did some uh, guest ranch, dude ranch type stuff. And then uh, decided to move to where I live now, which is Fort Collins, Colorado. And I love Fort Collins, Colorado. It is amazing. And I've been there for about five years doing all sorts of different stuff. Everything you just described, this sense of adventure, you said you kind of unlocked that once you left the house at 18. You were always adventurous growing up, though. Am I off base in saying that? Or was this some newfound characteristic in yourself that, that you stumbled upon? Um, well, when I was like super young, my parents always tell me that I was so cautious. Really? Yeah. Like AJ and Josh, my, my two older brothers would be out tubing and I wouldn't want to go. I just, I would just want to watch, you know, they're tubing behind the boat, just going nuts. And then one day I decided I wanted to tube with them. And this is just hearsay because I don't remember it, but I decided to go out on the tubes, and I loved it, and you couldn't take me off the tubes with my brothers, and so I think that maybe that was the day that it changed. Do you feel like you choosing Colorado to go to as a school was you kind of jumping on the tube for the first time? Like, you you didn't really have a desire initially or or this huge want to to go out and branch into something new, but you went out and, and tried it, got your feet wet, and then moved on from there? Is that... Yeah, well, so I had visited Colorado, um, a couple family trips. My dad took us out and showed us Colorado and these different areas. And it just, it kind of sparked something in me. I mean, I will never forget the first time I saw mountains in real life, driving on I-70 West, right into the mountains from Denver. And I was glued to the window. I just never forget that feeling. And I would look up and I'd see these cliffs and these caves and just my imagination just went off. And so I'm so thankful for the opportunity and, and a dad who, who took me out, you know, and showed me and, and took us all on vacation together. 
um, because it really sparked something for me. And I, and I fell in love with Colorado and I knew probably by my sophomore year of high school, I knew that I wanted to move to Colorado, but yeah, there, there was a theme of adventure, um, enjoying adventure, enjoying new things. I mean, you and I, we would go on road trips together and whatnot mm-hmm. and just get wild and just try to do anything out of the norm. And in the Midwest, specifically in Indiana, you know, it's really, it's really flat and there's not too much happening. And so it just always felt like an adventure. Any little thing that we did that was a little bit outside the norm, whether it's go on a road trip or, you know, go explore, find the highest point in Indiana. And even though it's flat and there's no actual hill or high point, it's just like fun to go check those things out. For those of you who hadn't caught on yet, Justin and I were childhood friends. Our parents grew up together, but it's been really, really cool to see how you've grown and matured into this man you are today and really embraced a completely different lifestyle than what you were raised with, than what I was raised with. And so I respect that in you a lot um, because it's not an easy thing to break away from that general life perspective that, that you're raised in, you know, like a mm-hmm. lot, a lot of people just kind of fall into what their parents did or, mm-hmm. or the lifestyle that their parents were living. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So you had this desire sophomore year high school, move out to Colorado. You did it. Was there any resistance to, to that decision? I, I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but I read this book called the war of art. Mm. And a lot of times when we are creating something or we're stepping into something new, there's this resistance that kind of comes at us uh, in whatever form and not to be like super ethereal or like, you know, spiritual, but there is, Mm -hmm. you have to break these, Mm -hmm. these habits or these molds that we're used to. Was there anything like that as you made the decision to go out to Colorado? Absolutely. I read that book. It's a great book. Yeah. It's an amazing book. It is. Um, And when I read that, I was like, I just identified with so many, so many parts of that book. But yeah, there was. Uh, so I actually sat my parents down and I'll never forget. I said, I'm not sure that I want to go to college. And my dad immediately, without batting an eye, said, you're going to college. And so that was just the general feel of like, you know, just more a little more traditional. I don't know what you would call it, but mm-hmm. like that was a part of our family culture was, mm-hmm. was you go to college. I said, OK, well, if I'm going to college, then it's going to be in Colorado. Um, they weren't stoked about me going to Colorado and for good reasons. Like they, they love me. They're good parents and they wanted me around. And especially my mom really didn't want me to go. They were like, well, you should consider this school or that school in Indiana. And this would be a good school. And I'd always be like, nope, it's going to be Colorado. So yeah, there was resistance from my parents. The resistance was a little more like, it was almost just like in the air. It was almost just like nothing too materialized or no one person it was more of just no none of my friends were doing it none of my friends were leaving the state to go to college Mm -hmm. anywhere else and it was almost like this almost like my own thoughts would say you really think you can do this like you really think that you're going to be able to pull this off or you know more of the resistance probably was more internal which is i think such an amazing point to make and this is something that i've really been hit with recently in my life we've Sean and I've been fortunate to be introduced to so many amazing people who are successful yes but I think more importantly have a perspective and share a perspective 
that completely rocks what I thought was within the realm of possibility. Mm -hmm. Like we truly a lot of times limit ourselves by what we think is the safe choice, the, the good choice or the possible choice. And to be exposed to a different way, whether it's somebody else or you read it in a book or whatever it is, provides so much value and really can give you the encouragement to step outside and, and do something different. What, what helped you fight those fears? Do you remember if there was an interaction with a mentor of yours or a book you read or something you heard that helped you take the plunge? I would say ultimately I love God and I try to follow God and I, and I just felt like this thing in me that, that God was with me and that he wanted me to, to go to Colorado. Hmm. And so at the end of the day, like that's kind of what I was able to stand on amidst all the resistance, amidst all the doubts and fears and anxieties surrounding it. But also I, I kind of wanted to see what I was made of a little bit. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to just go for it. And I'm the type of person, which maybe is partially why I'm, I don't love like school or I've never loved school, which education is great. It's good to be educated. Um, but I, I really like to learn by doing, mm -hmm. and I like to get humbled by failing and, and learn by failing and just go for it in sort of trial by fire mentality. And so I don't know. I, I just figured I'd go for it. See what happens. Yeah. It's funny you say the trial by fire. This is something that, that Sean and I confront a lot where my perspective to any project is get the first draft out there and then edit it from there because it's way easier for me to have something to work off of, a template to work off of, and then gradually make it perfect or really good. Sean's perspective is don't release anything until it's perfect. I'm way more like trial by yeah. fire as you are. Um, yeah, totally. So, props to you for that. I want to hear about your time in school while you were in college. What, what was your evaluation of that? Oh, college was great, man. I found some good friends right right off the bat and explored. I made uh, friends with a local, and he showed me around, showed me the mountains, showed me all these places he likes to go camp and stuff. Yeah, I developed a really cool community of guys that I felt like aligned in my just um, intentions and beliefs and we kind of banded together and, and just had a great time so the social aspect of my college experience was amazing I mean it was like awesome and learned a ton as far as going to class I uh, struggled for sure and again I didn't I actually got an academic scholarship to the University of Northern Colorado which isn't saying much <laughs> but um, I did and that's partially why I was able to go to that school and I didn't fail at, at school itself I got good grades I just it was just painful for me for whatever reason I'm sure it's not easy with the mountains right there yeah you know? exactly, exactly yeah I want to unpack this a little more because the whole theme of this show is people going on one traje trajectory with their life or career mm -hmm. and getting redirected into something else and I right. think that this is such an interesting decision for us to talk about because a, a lot of our listeners are kind of in this age range where they're deciding on going to a, a school yep, totally. or they're deciding on going to a grad school. Totally. And it's a fine line as I sit here and listen to you talk about, we well, didn't enjoy class that much. Um, 
it's a fine line between making a decision, almost making like a short-term decision mm-hmm. that might not be best in the long run, you know what I'm saying? Yep, like as absolutely. your parents were concerned about, like, oh, well, he doesn't want to go to school. That's a that's a foolish short-term thought that he would have that he would later regret. Absolutely. And following your dreams. Tell me about how you made the decision, the people who played a, a role in that, the different voices that you had going on, and let's just talk, let's just unpack that a little bit more. Well, I want to say that I'm not against education. I'm not against college. Right. I'm not against school. And I think that, especially with college, if you have a have something that you want to do, like I want to do this, and you need a college degree of some form or another to get to where you want to go, it makes sense. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Go and do it, man. Crush it. The problem is a lot of us will go to college not knowing what we want, not knowing what we want to do or what we want to become or what we want to study. Um, and, you know, I, can't, I would never blame my parents for making me go. I mean, it's, it's, they were doing what they thought was best in making me go to college. But I think it's important to consider, like, hey, what would, what would it be like if we just took a year and explored a little bit, traveled, or got involved in a program or volunteered? And just let's ex- do some self-exploration, some self-discovery, and then let's find out what we want to do in life, and then seek what we need to get there and get it done. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. But in a day and age where I think it's it's almost hard to even start down the road of the self-exploration concept where... Mm-hmm okay, I'm taking a year off and then all of a sudden six months later, all I've done is watched all there is on Netflix. That's kind of, that's kind of the trap that I feel like I might fall under. You know what I'm saying? So where do you, where do you begin the self exploration the year off of let's try new things and see what I'm passionate about. Right. That's what do you do? Yeah. Like where do you, yeah. And I I actually read this book, just do something, which is uh, a Christian author wrote it. And his whole thing was like, whatever is thrown at you, yeah. do it. I like that. And then throw it by the wayside or continue to, to pursue it. Yeah. Um, I have a younger brother, Grant, who's a freshman in college, just starting off. And both me and my older brother played college sports. And that was really the only driving factor or compass in our college experience was the fact that I want to play football in college. Like I was out to the point where coming out of high school – I was going to go to any school that let me play football there, mm-hmm. which I would not recommend that mindset. And I'm fortunate enough that it led me to a place like Vanderbilt. And I talked a little bit more about that in the, in the first episode of the podcast. But now that my brother's in school, doesn't have the sports to kind of push him along and expose him to to all the things that sports do, where it's the different cities, the different, you know, it's such a, it's such a diverse group in a locker room. that I benefited from, you know, extensively, where does a guy like Grant start on that journey? You know? Yeah. It's an interesting, I think where it starts is the computer and researching. Yeah. I mean, I think you just grab something out of the sky. Like what's a fleeting thought of like, Oh, I might want to try that someday. And if you can't grab anything out of the sky of a, of a, an idea or of some something some organization that you might be interested in getting plugged into then look some up you know uh look up different programs there's so much there's so mm-hmm. much all over the world and that's another thing i think is is huge i'd specifically recommend 
travel to anyone fresh out of high school. They would travel somewhere, like get involved in a program that is abroad somewhere or anywhere in any other culture. And it's, it's just an amazing experience. You just, you get a more well-rounded perspective on life and on people. And it's such a sweet growth experience. It's such a sweet learning experience to do something like that. You've definitely been exposed to a good amount of travel, but uh, we'll get there. We'll get there later. So back to the, the college decision, if you, if you don't mind. So mm-hmm. you're not opposed to, you're not opposed to education. Yes. I, I wanted to make that point. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just my story, right? But yeah, so I actually sat down with my parents for dinner and was going to kind of break the news that I was going to drop out of college. And it was surprising that my dad was like, you know what? I hear you on this. I understand where you're coming from and I trust you. You have my blessing. The same guy who told you initially you're going to college. Yeah, you have to go to college. What do you attribute that change to? I don't know. I think he saw some maturity happening in me, and I don't know. I, I couldn't really say. I think I, his, one of his big things, which right, like I totally see now, um, was the social experience of college. Going to college, being on your own, there's the people, mm-hmm. the friends, mm-hmm. the different organizations you can get plugged into or whatever. And his big thing was go experience that. And I, and I kind of did, you know, and he knew that I was getting involved with friends and community and different organizations and stuff. And so I think maybe he, he saw that I did that and then left the rest to me. Okay. So now I'm curious what happened in the several months after you dropped out. Cause one thing that I found true is that, Athletes transitioning out of their sport or, you know, people retiring from their jobs after how many, however many years, whenever we leave this super clear cut path, I, my experience personally was kind of a depression after that. You know, once I got cut from the chiefs, I sat on the couch and I was like, mm. well, now what? And you're leaving college two, two years into it. Yeah which is a very clear-cut, safe kind of trajectory. You know what to expect next. What happened immediately after, like the, the month or two after? Uh, well, I, I did something that changed my life forever, and it was one of the most growing experiences of my life, which was I went and worked for a rafting company and became a guide out in Buena Vista, Colorado, a rafting company called Noah's Ark Whitewater Rafting. And it was amazing, man. It was incredible. And up to that point in my life, it was the hardest thing I ever did, for sure, hands down. It was so hard. Physically, mentally, I mean, being, being uh, a steward of people's lives in, in these dangerous situations, whether it's um, on the river or we also did, you know, backpacking trips and rock climbing trips, it was the perfect thing for me to do and just grew me a lot as a person. Um, so it wasn't like I dropped out and was twiddling my thumbs. Mm-hmm. I had something lined up that summer that I dropped out. Gotcha. And so that was awesome to have that in place. You, that's not the only thing you've done though, is this rafting thing since you've built a band and you now have your own production company. Tell me about the origination of those. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot to it. Um, I'm a very passion driven person. 
if I'm not passionate about something, I just burn out really quick. So when I dropped out, I knew that what it meant as far as like how my life could look, mm-hmm. um, specifically financially. And I kind of thought, you know what? If the sacrifice that I make to go pursue my dreams, to, to go after the things that I'm passionate about is a lower standard of living, then 100% let's go. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no question for me of, you know, what, well, what am I going to do about money? Or what am I going to do without a degree? What job can I get? It was just, it was a passion first mentality for me. And it still is to this day. And it was awesome. I tell people, you know, those two years that I sacrificed that I otherwise would have been in college, finishing my degree, were two of the most formative years of my life. And I would never in a million years trade those years. I learned so much um, in working on the ranch and working on the, for the guiding company. And I went on a hitchhiking trip in that time, hitchhiked around the Western United States for about a month and just learned so much. And so... Now I live in Fort Collins, Colorado, and I moved there specifically to start a band. And it had always been on my heart. It was always a dream of mine to start a band. And there was a couple guys that I had been talking to saying, you know, hey, what what if we moved to Fort Collins together? What if we got into this thing and and really went for it? And somehow they were down. And uh, we we started Brothers Fountain, which is the band that I'm in. And uh, we've been going strong for about five years now and learning a ton and let me tell you if yeah it's actually the shirt i have on yeah so if, if you were getting jealous of my apparel a brother's fountain <laughs> i'm looking good but um like if there was if there was ever something that you wanted to do that would be really really hard and have next to no monetary uh return it would be start a band. Why do you say it's really, really hard? It, it seems it seems like to me you get a group of people together <laughs> once a week in your garage and hang out, right? Maybe jam around, right? Yeah. Where am I wrong? <laughs> uh, well, you can do that if it's a hobby, and a lot of people do that, and that's that's all they want out of it. But if you want it to be something that grows and that changes the world, like we do, you got to give it a little more. So it's just an insane workload. For people to volunteer to do. And so if you don't really believe in it or have, a, have much of a drive, you, it's, it's not going to happen. Uh, but that's part of what I love about it. Mm-hmm. You know, without risk, there's no reward. Without the challenge, you know, there's no, there's no uh, taste of victory, if you will. There's no like, satisfaction. We get most satisfied by the challenging things we do in life mm-hmm. and, and overcome. And so that's very much what A Brother's Found is to me. I mean, we have not hacked the music industry by any means. And we're, it's a huge learning curve. And it's one thing if you love to play music and you're an amazing musician. You could be the best musician in the world, the best guitarist or whatever in the world. But if you don't know how to market yourself, if you don't know the in and outs of the music industry, if you don't know how to do social media, mm-hmm. if you don't know how to interact with people or get people on board with your heart for music or your vision for your band or, or whatever, it's not going to happen. I'd love for you to expand on what type of music a brother's fountain plays. Maybe your mission for the band if you want, but it's, it's interesting. I've now talked with Jacob Luttrell, who's a Grammy award-winning mm. songwriter. Awesome, dude. Talked to, uh, Jimmy Benrude, who is 
now the manager for Madeline Bailey, his wife, and both conversations, we've touched a little bit about the difficulty of the music industry. And it's, yeah. well, it's such an interesting thing because Jacob was telling his experience. It's, it's kind of an, it's an all consuming thing to yeah. do music. Like, especially it's something that people get so passionate about if you're creating it, I think especially, right. um, but also if you're consuming it, that it can really be tough. Right. Like, like how do you add the passion into your career and how do you make that work? Um, and then, you know, Madeline is this, she's dominated on social media. Um, but now they're, they're, you know, hoping to go the more traditional route and there's so many difficulties with that. So it just seems like there's, trouble all around yeah, um, and sure. kind of sounds like <laughs> no different story from you uh, but you love it and love it. and you love this is your favorite thing you're doing even even with the production company right that is correct and really I don't know how other people do it especially if you don't love your own music if you don't love the the music that you're putting out if you don't believe in your message man it'd be so easy to get burnt out but that's kind of why I like the music industry, you know, uh, if, if we're saying the glass is half full. I love that it's only the most dedicated, most passionate musicians that make it work. It's taken you guys a few years to get traction. But the first couple of years, it's like you're, you're just showing up to band practice twice a week. And as you were saying, the return is not great. So the, the financial drive is not there. Right. What is your guys's vision and purpose that keeps you drive, driving mm. yeah what keeps us going is the response from people and our, our friends family followers fans um it's just awesome we get we just get so fueled uh, when people tell us that our music changed their life or mm. they just got them thinking about their circumstance or situation in a whole different light and there's very much a, it's, we're very much community minded in a brother's fountain and we're about people we're about God and we're about people and um, bringing people together of all different backgrounds and colors and beliefs ethnicities mm -hmm. and languages and whatever and music is such a powerful tool to just promote uh, love and, and positivity and community and so really the response of what we're going after, because it's just, it's deeper than just sound. It's deeper than, for us, it's deeper than just music. It's very much a, a spiritual pursuit for us. And the response from, from people and encouraging us in that depth, in that spiritual pursuit, has been a, amazing fuel for us. We talked about this a little bit yesterday as we were preparing for this interview. That's something that I've I've really realize more than ever is the power of community and really that's the purpose for whatever content you're putting out there whether you're actively making videos or music or just showing up to work and that's your content like the community at the end of the day that you're able to tap into however big it is however passionate it is whatever the topic is that is at the end of the day i feel like the most powerful derivative or side effect of this you know passion that we pursue as artists yeah. Of, yeah. of whatever type yeah um 
I know musicians hate this, hate talking about genres. Jacob Luttrell yelled at me for talking about genres. If you were going to put Brothers Fountain music into a genre, yeah, what would you say? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> you know what I usually, uh, you, know, you know how I usually answer this is, you've heard my music, so how would you describe it? I do love Brothers Fountain music. Um, I would say that it's folky. Mm-hmm. No wrong answers. And and like jam bandy ish. Yeah. Uh, very fun. The lyrics are great. And honestly, there's a lot of different styles going on. That's how I'd answer that. Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. I, I call it a f- uh, folk jam band. Yeah. Okay. Oh wow. So I was right there. Um, I, there's I nailed a lot of, it. There's a lot of soul in there, but we love that it's hard for people to put us in a genre. We uh, we were talking about community. I want to hear some of your favorite stories of this community that you've built. Um, I think we were talking about one yesterday of a certain yeah. lady yeah. that you know came around to you guys. Can you just dive into some of your favorite stories of, of the community? Yeah, I'll tell that story. Um, so there is this woman who came up to us after a show, and she had her uh, two like teenage boys with her. I'm not sure if they were both her sons or not, but... Uh, we'll just say they were both her sons. And she said, you know what? We found your CD under the windshield wiper on the windshield of our car. And we were like, where did this come from? And we played it in the car. We're So we're atheist. And uh, our music is kind of like spiritual, you know? And she's like, well, we're atheists. And we started listening to it. And it just sounded too spiritual. And so we chucked it out of the window. <laughs> And then she was like, but then we all decided we needed to go back and pick it up <laughs> and play it again. And so they they turned the car around and went back and got the CD that they chucked out the window and put it back in and basically fell in love with, with the music. And she was like, there's something about it that just I love. And I can't, I just, we can't get enough of it. And so they've showed up to two of our shows now and that's one story um and i just love the the meshing of communities that happens like i said before of of people of all sorts of backgrounds and beliefs and it's just a safe place it's a safe place for people to come and and be themselves at our shows or at our events that we do yeah i love it when people come up to me and and say you know tell me about this song or this lyric and what what did you mean by that and of course i always answer first and say well what did it mean to you you know because there's kind of two things happening. There's there's my journey of songwriting and playing music, but there's your your own specific individual journey of uh, receiving that. And what one lyric uh, can mean to me could be totally different to you. And so I love to hear what our songs mean to people and, and how they interpret them. It's funny for me to sit here and, and look at you, a guy I've known a long time, and now you are leading a band, started a band, that has groupies in it. It's just funny for me. Um, but honestly, to your credit, um, and this is something that I've been trying to apply to my marriage and my life in general, is you started this band and had massive visions for it. And even though the first few years were tough and there wasn't a lot of traction, you took it as seriously then as you do now. And I think that's an important lesson to kind of speak truth or act truth, whatever you like, whatever you want this thing to become, whether that's your 
best friend or your wife or this band, treat it as it is you want it to become. I think that's a powerful concept, and I think that's something I've learned from you because I remember the first few years of the band, and it was like, this thing is struggling. (laughs) (laughs) And now now it is what it is now. For sure. Um, My favorite question is, so... Do you guys just do your band thing like for fun? Is it just like a hobby? Or do you guys actually want to like make it a thing? Yeah. I can only imagine how frustrating that is. No, no. I'm not offended. It's a perfectly reasonable question. So aside from the band, um, unless you have anything else you want to talk to about that, uh, you have been on some amazing journeys around the world geographically. Can you tell us about some of the highlights of those trips? what they were and then maybe anecdotes to each we're talking south america alaska west coast united states yeah one relevant trip that i took was um i got recruited onto this ragtag team of videographers to go to lebanon uh, to the middle east to then follow the syrian refugees as they fled from the this this the war going on in syria and basically follow their journey from the Middle East to Europe. Most of them were going up to Germany. And I wasn't a videographer in the slightest bit, with the exception of a couple uh, really bad videos that we edited as kids. Um, <laughs> we should dig those up, honestly. <laughs> and so I saw these guys do you know, and they weren't, you know, these like super big time professional videographers, but they both had gone to school for video in some way or another. And I got to see them kind of do their thing. And, and they just basically put me as the line producer of this whole project. And what we did was we tried to um, just film, film these refugees from a lens of compassion and just try to connect with these refugees as people, not just as statistics or as just another refugee, but really get to hear their stories. It was a really heart-wrenching trip. But I came back from that, the seed sort of started to grow of wanting to tap into sort of this world of video and using video as a tool because it, it was such a powerful thing to be a part of, to film these refugees. And, and I kind of thought, man, what could I do? What could I film? And literally, I think it was two weeks after I got back from that trip, I left for South America for four months. And in those two weeks, I spent the rest of my money that I had, and I bought this 6D Canon camera with like a couple lenses, and then had this like GoPro Hero 3. And that's all I had. And uh, went down to South America and filmed the whole thing, and then came back from South America and thought, you know what, this is something I want to do. And uh, that's when I started the video production company. So it's 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 cool to me that you have this dream to tell the stories of all these people, whether it's the, the Lebanese refugees or Syrian, I'm sorry, Syrian refugees, Mm -hmm. or you documented your interactions down in South America and and told the stories of a lot of the people that you interacted Mm -hmm. with. And that's been kind of the theme of all your content, but Mm -hmm. it's not only the theme of the content, you structure your trip so that you're forced to have these interactions. Like you, you could have chosen to not hitchhike, but you made the decision to correct me if I'm wrong, to do that so that your interactions with people would be exponentially increased. Absolutely. Which is, I I actually would love for you to talk about hitchhiking because I, you're the only person that I know that hitchhiked and (laughs) it kind of has a bad rap or like, you know, your parents tell you don't pick up hitchhikers. Right. 
Exactly. Maybe, maybe start there. Start start with that uh, perception that you should not pick up hitchhikers. Um, I think I firmly believe that everyone should at least consider, like, hey, just consider, like, hey, there's a guy that needs a ride or a girl that needs a ride. Could you maybe do it? Could you maybe pull over and pick him up? Um, it, it, everyone loves to think and say that it's a big bad world out there. Sure, there are bad stories of. Um, Hitchhiker, either hitchhikers killing people or p- hitchhikers getting killed. It goes both ways. But for some reason, most of us kind of put hitchhikers in the bad guy category. But we hear stories also about people getting killed walking down the street. Um, does that mean we should not walk down any streets? You know, so it's all it's all kind of, there's a lot of gray lines. And so I, I'm always sort of trying to make people think differently about hitchhiking and about hitchhikers because I think it's so awesome. The mutual trust and the, the magic that can happen when two strangers come together and give each other trust and travel together or do whatever together. It's awesome. It's like what we want in life a little bit, you know? Yeah. I love hitchhiking. I highly recommend hitchhiking. If you're a girl, I might just put out this caveat that you maybe go with someone else. Yeah. If you do choose to go, <laughs> which shoot, maybe I shouldn't be encouraging people to hitchhike on this podcast. <laughs> Mom's calling me out saying, yeah. <laughs> why'd you say that? Um, but I mean, it's environmentally friendly. Like you save money, you save gas. I mean, how many people are driving around with at least four seats that are totally untaken? Right. Uh, we're about to get into some fan questions, but I want to hear your daily routine of how you approach each and every day. Do you have any daily disciplines? Wake up, work out, read a book or, or whatever it is. Talk to me about that. Yeah. I'm always reshaping my, my daily routine and my daily habits. I don't feel like I've perfected them. I'll be the first to say, but typically, uh, what I do is, uh, when I first wake up, I'll just get alone and read and pray and just be alone. I think being alone is awesome and super beneficial. And, um, it's just, it's just an awesome way to sort of center heart, mind, body, spirit, to take on whatever's going to happen that day. It's really easy to, what I tend to do is I wake up and the first thing I think is what I need to do and like, let's start getting stuff done. So it's, it's pretty tricky to not do that, but that's definitely something that I recommend. And then maybe not on a daily level, but on at least a weekly level, some sort of intentional time with people, whatever that might look like. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, I've got a lot of bros in my life. So I've got a group of guys that I'll get with weekly. We'll talk about, hey, how you doing? What's the high, low of the last week? And we'll just get real. We'll just get raw. And uh, we'll be vulnerable with each other and you know, tell each other what we're struggling with and what we need help with, what we need prayer for. And I think that's huge. It's really important for a healthy human to do. Uh, what, about, what about musicians that you look up to? Is there one major influence? Yes. So two of the most influential musicians and songwriters that are alive are Josh Garrels and Marcus Mumford. Wow. Yeah. I do love Josh Garrels. For those of you who don't know about Josh Garrels, he is my favorite musician, artist, songwriter. The guy's lyrics never cease to... I'm brought to tears by a lot of his songs. Yeah, and actually, Sean and I's first dance was to a Josh Garrell song, oh, uh, Heaven's yeah. Knife. That's right. 
Um, but he just has so much amazing music. So, and then Mum- Mike Mumford from Mumford and Sons. Marcus Mumford. Marcus Mumford. Is yeah. that right, though? Mar- Mumford and Sons. That is correct. Yeah. Gotcha. Does he? Act- is it actually his sons? I've never even thought about this. No. no. Okay. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> They're just sons of someone. <laughs> okay. Time for some fan questions. Sometimes the audience brings some hard hitters. Sometimes, not so much. But let's see what's in store for today. We actually have a lot of a lot of people are excited to have you on here. Let's see. Uh, and this is this is one that a lot of people have submitted. But I'm gonna go with Kristen McAllister. Wants to know what is your favorite place that you've traveled? Um, Peru. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard between Peru and Lebanon and Turkey. I really loved the Middle East. We as Americans have a lot of things that we think about the Middle East that are not true. And I went there and it was just a beautiful place with beautiful people and people that were so kind and awesome. And there's so much culture and the food's amazing. Um, But Peru, I loved so much because my love for the ocean and for the mountains, it has both and they're both awesome. I call Peru the wanderer's paradise. And Peru uh, is the type of country that you go and visit and you're like, okay, I'm definitely not in Kansas anymore. You know, there's tons of culture and the people, it's awesome. The people are amazing. Um, So Peru. Love that. Final answer. Carson Roberts asks, and I quote, you got a girlfriend, question mark. You don't have to answer that. You do not. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I do. I do, Carson. (laughs) But keep an eye out, Carson. Uh, (laughs) Smiley K16 wants to know how tall you are. This is something that you and I have debated extensively. (laughs) Justin Justin insists that he's as tall as I am, but... Uh, Which me. is how tall do you think you are? <laughs> how, how tall, tall what? I am <laughs> is six two. Okay. Well, I'm taller than Andrew. It puts, he every, hates it. It puts everything in the question. It. Well, dude, you've been better at everything else in life, so can I just be taller? Uh, <laughs> um, Dancing for Dios asks, "Have you slash would you bungee jump off of Victoria Falls?" Absolutely. Is that a thing? Um, I don't know. I know there's like one gorge. Victoria Falls is in Africa, correct? I don't know. I think it is. I probably should know. Sounds terrifying. I think it's maybe the biggest falls ahead of Niagara Falls. Well, if there is a bungee jump. Fact checker. Fact checker. Fact check. (laughs) If there is a bungee jump from some type of waterfall anywhere in the world, absolutely I would do it. Man. That, uh, I've been skydiving and I'm totally coach. I'm totally good with that for some reason. Bungee jumping. Really? For some reason, is way more terrifying to really? me. Really, that's funny. Uh, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it, but just I would be more scared. I think it would be gnarly. Okay, and then Madison MS asks, "Why music?" Which is Why an music? it's a, it's an interesting question because there are so many different forms of artistic expression. Oh, you know what? I got an answer for that. Um, so my my story with music. I'll try to keep it brief. Uh, growing up. Um, I grew up in the Midwest, right? And so in the Midwest, typically, uh, not to generalize too much, um, but you're kind of either good at school and or you're good at some sort of sport. Hmm. At least that's what my perspective was. And like, I couldn't find either one. And so I decided to pick up the guitar, just try it. 
He's not athletic, in, ca- in case you can't see. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I was athletic. Now I think I might be able to beat you uh, in a one-on-one game of basketball. Uh, <laughs> okay. Moving right along. Um, <laughs> Stay tuned for that. <laughs> um, any Miss Miss Amanda Nicole wants to know what best practices are there to hitchhiking. Yes. Okay. Is this a who is that? What was her name? Miss Amanda. Amanda. Good question, Amanda. Um, yes, there definitely is. And I would recommend actually how I learned was I had a buddy who had hitchhiked and we had a few days off together. He, we were working at the ranch together. Tyler Rice. Awesome dude. Uh, and I was like, dude, we got three days off. Teach me how to hitchhike. Like, let's go on a hitchhiking trip together. So we went up to Wyoming and came back down. It was a three day trip. It was epic. So he taught me how. So one thing is to find someone who knows who can teach you, but put on a big smile, make a little sign with some bold black lettering on some cardboard and uh yeah just enjoy life and sort of portray that exude joy and life and happiness and people will want to pick you up as opposed to looking like a surly yeah as serial murder which, yeah, is, exactly. which is kind of that exactly. yeah <laughs> it's kind of the stereotypical right. perception of it actually one one thing that works great is i'll uh, play my guitar and while i'm checking and people are like oh this dude's a musician so, One last question from the yeah. from the audience. Okay, Shepherd's Life wants to know when you're hitchhiking. What is your? Uh, well, I'm kind of rephrasing it, but what do you pack? Mm. Like, what do you bring with you? Um, so I've done a fair amount of uh, backpacking just in the wilderness, and I had done a fair amount of backpacking before I did ever did my first hitchhiking trip, and so I sort of just packed as if I was backpacking. But really, you want to be super adaptable, and you want to pack light. You don't want too much stuff that you're lugging around. Mm-hmm. And of course, if someone sees you on the side of the road and you've got this huge mound of like luggage, you're like, I don't have enough room for you. Also, you have like your high maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, packing lights huge, but also just being adaptable. Like, hey, in case I don't get picked up before it gets dark, maybe, you know, bring a tent and definitely bring a rain jacket. Prepare for the weather. It's pro tips from the pro himself. <laughs> I could, I could talk more about that, but some other podcast. <laughs> what are your goals at this point in your life? Mm. You have this production company, which we can talk about more if you'd like, because we, we touched a little bit on, on the theme of your videos, but mm-hmm. uh, you have that, you have your band, um, a lot of a lot of good stuff going on right now. Yeah, dude, I'm stoked on life. I'm stoked about what I'm doing and what I'm giving my life to. Yeah, my goals, uh, to to keep it short, I would say, is to change the world. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I don't see that with arrogance. At least I don't think I do. Maybe I do, and I just don't realize it. But I think that even in small ways, we can really change the world. Like, I don't think that that means that you need to just be this most amazing person and flawless, perfect person. I don't believe that at all. I just think, I mean, if you're able to change one person's day and make them a little bit more happy or joyful, you've, in effect, changed the world. But I also like to dream big, and I like to think big. I would really like to just inspire people and get people to think about life in in maybe a different way, and maybe just plant a seed of of maybe a different perspective, whether it's about people or about God or spirituality or about the human experience in general. You've said the word stoked a couple times. I don't think we've revealed the name of your production company, which is Stoked Ember. Yes. Tell me about the name. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Stoked Ember is the name of my production company, 
Stoked Ember Productions is the website. Feel free to go check it out. So my brother and I run Stoked Ember together. So what's behind the name is we really believe that everyone has sort of an ember inside of them. Everyone has a story and everyone has uh, like this, this fuel, this, this thing burning in them, whether it's what's your passion, what are your desires in life, what are those deep things in you that you want to do or what story do you want to live. So our heart with our production company, with our videos, is to stoke that. And to stoke, like stoke is kind of this trendy word right now, like oh, I'm stoked, I'm like excited and stuff, which I love. But also like the literal meaning of stoke is to like, like sort of move around or poke or sort of give life to. And so our heart is to not only stoke people's embers, but also to, to literally be a stoked ember, to be already like I'm, I'm alive. I have this thing in me that's burning and it's healthy. And what's cool, a little caveat here is when you get multiple embers together, that's when some amazing magic can happen. And that's when a big old fire happens. And really at the bottom of every fire is multiple embers coming together. I love that. I feel like you're doing a great job with that, with the content you're making now. Thanks. Three takeaways for the audience that you've learned over your path from the Midwest to this adventurous lifestyle or or realizing that you're adventurous to going to college, dropping out, working all these kind of odd jobs while you're exploring what you're passionate about, testing the waters, to now having your band, your production company, lessons you've learned, three of them. I have learned that the best leader is a humble leader. I've learned that how you define success affects how successful you are. And I've learned that passion and purpose are foundational for life. What is your definition of success? My definition of success would be totally relational and passion and purpose based, if you will. So for me, like an evaluation of success, I might ask myself, okay, are you pursuing what you're passionate about? Are you purpose-driven? Are you seeking your purpose? And are you pursuing your purpose? And it would be, are you loving people while you're doing those things? Are you loving people well? What about advice for people who maybe want to travel like you have, but feel like they don't have the financial bandwidth or the time or it seems too overwhelming of a process. You have so much experience in this. What, what advice would you give those people? Yeah, and that's a totally understandable struggle. And I think anyone before they've actually traveled um, struggles with that. I think, I think that I would say, hey, ask yourself, what are you willing to give or do to, to do it? You know what I mean? Like, where are you at with how bad you want to do this? Because dreams are a dime a dozen. It, it's so easy to dream. It's so easy to say that I want to do this or I want to do that. But then there's a threshold that you can choose to cross through, which is then to actually do it, to make it happen, to make it a reality. I think there's almost just a foundational question that needs to be answered in every individual person's uh, heart or life of do you want to only dream or do you want to see these things come to reality? Because if the answer is that you want to be a doer and see your dreams come to reality and, and do what you have this deep desire to do, then you just have the legwork. Then it's easy. Then it's like, oh, well, it might suck a little bit to have to like spend a couple hours a day researching like plane tickets or where you're going to stay mm-hmm. in some country. But it's a lot easier when you've already made the decision that you're not just going to say you want to do things, but you're, you're actually going to do them. Mm. 
I just heard um, on another show somebody talk about the concept that when it comes to being healthy physically, you aren't fit when you reach a certain weight. You're fit the day that you decide you're going to make a change. And I think that goes for, mm. for this as well, being adventurous. It's well, not... Yeah. You don't have to do X, Y, and Z. It's just you deciding within yourself, this is how I'm going to live. This right. is the choice I'm going to make. Right. That's the point at which yeah. the change occurs, Yeah. which I think is cool. Yeah. It's kind of a deep thing that happens. Yeah. It's this internal thing first. This resolve. Yeah. It starts internal and then externally comes to fruition. Justin, I'm really impressed with you. Your desire to try new things, your openness to travel to places that a lot of people otherwise would be scared to travel and then also travel in the way that you do with the hitchhiking. Um, and then your general purpose for life and how you connect with people is, is really inspiring. And I think I would do well, my wife would do well, a lot of people would do well in embracing your perspective. So I appreciate you being on the show and sharing it with us. Thanks so much, Andrew. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much, dude. Love you. It's been a blast. Yeah. Hey guys, it's Andrew, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Redirected. If you find this podcast valuable, there are a lot of ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever platform you happen to listen from. You can share it with your friends on social media, blogs, or on your own podcast. Also, head over to andrewdees.com for more information and to request your favorite celebrity, entrepreneur, athlete, or anyone else who inspires you. And while you're at my site, be sure to sign up for my newsletter so you can get updates on other fun stuff going on. Also, you guys know I love connecting with you, so if you want to reach out to me directly on Instagram or Twitter, my handle is at andrewdeast. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next time on Redirected.